please stand for the call to worship. We are gathered in the presence of God, who asks us to choose between life and death, blessing and curse. Like them, we often follow the ways of death. By our presence here, we are saying that we want to choose life one more time. Let us praise the God of love and life who has called us to this place. Amen.
be seated. Let me welcome you all to worship this morning here at Southside. I know that there are some of you who've been away a while, and we're glad to see you back today and able to worship with us. Um, and, of course, you made it here on all of you with an hour less sleep, although there may be a few weary eyes here and there. But it's good to be here um, and to be able to worship together today. For those who are worshiping with us via live stream, we also want to welcome them. Sometimes they are away, sometimes they're here. Peggy, we're glad you're here today, but normally she's worshiping with us via live stream, and so we welcome all of those who may be worshiping with us uh, through that as well. Southside Baptist Church, of course, is a church building an inclusive community of grace, first in this community and then beyond. And we welcome everyone uh, seeking to uh, bring individuals into an understanding of, of the love of God, but also to know that there's a family of faith here that seeks to grow alongside them. It's been an uh, unusual week, and, and by all news reports, it will be one continuing uh, in the days ahead with the um, emergence of the uh, coronavirus and all that that means for all of us. And we're going to certainly be mindful of that. And if you came in today, you saw a uh, piece of paper there at all the entrances, as well as these little hand sanitizers that uh, we want to provide for you so that you've got them, you can come and worship. And also we want to practice those particular things that they have indicated, help those individuals, all of us, to uh, avoid contracting any kind of flu or uh, any other kind of virus. So we want to do that and today as we, we uh, welcome each other. We're not going to do it as we usually do. We're going to let you turn and just speak to them across the way. Now, I will say this, if there are those of you who really feel like you need some more space, you know, it says what, four to six feet personal space. So if you need that, now you can't do that up here. But those down there, you can. there's plenty of space here and down here, and you've got plenty of space. You will not be uh, too close to anybody. But if you would, uh, take a moment and, and turn to those close to you and speak to them without getting up and moving across the aisles. And then after that, we're going to have uh, a children's time, and I think there's at least three here today, and uh, uh, one here and two down in the nursery, and so they'll be coming up as as um, Betsy comes down, hopefully. So wave and speak and talk and just acknowledge each other being here and welcoming them. And we trust that the spirit of Christ is here and knows that we are welcoming each other uh, together in that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that Miss Bonnie's coming down here. Betsy, I know that you could probably tell me all of this too, and, and maybe Austin and, and uh, Willow, and, and we might be able to um, 
understand all of this, but I wanted to talk to you today about something. It's really about God's love. Now, but I wanted to, to ask you what you what we might use these things for. Have you ever seen one of these? I know if you're Miss Bonnie's granddaughter, you have seen one of these, right? What do you use that for? Hang on a second. You, what now? Measuring. For what? What? When would you? How much you need? For what are you going to be doing with it? Food. Probably food. Maybe baking some cookies. Miss Grand likes to do that, doesn't she? And we like for her to do that because she brings us some here too. But um, there's something else here. And what do you think this is used for? To measure a wall, to measure a height, how long something is, dimensions of something. Now, there's one other one here. I want to see if we can get this to work. And what do you think that measures? How much time? How much time? And so if I were to measure how long it took Betsy to get from back there with Pop down here, you could we could look at that and tell how many seconds, couldn't we? Well, it's all ways, different ways of measuring. We measure speed, we measure quantities, we measure sizes of things. But there's one thing that's really hard to measure. What is that? Think about God and Jesus. What is Je Jesus loves us, right? So that is one thing that's really hard to measure because you can't measure. Why is that? Why do you think? It's too, it's too wide, it's too deep, it's too high, it's too heavy. All of those things, anything that you can imagine about trying to measure, there's no way you can do it because it's bigger and greater than all of those things. Willow and Jade, if we were to measure how much you weigh now as you, compared to what you weighed a, almost, it's almost a year, won't be long now, just about, um, what, Three, one month, one month. You have, uh, you have grown and you've become larger. So we can measure the difference in the doctor. When you go to the pediatrician, they will measure that. But we can't measure the love of God. And the truth is, God loves us more than anything that we can put on it, any way that we can measure it. The love of God is broader than the, the world is wide and it continues to go and higher than any highest thing. We can always know that God, God's love surpasses everything. So we can give thanks for that, right? Do you want to help me pray today? Let's bow together. Lord, we thank you for the blessings of um, your love that we have, the promise of your grace and your mercy. We thank you that we can't understand it completely, but we do trust in you and and we know that your love is, is greater than anything we've ever seen or can comprehend. And we thank you for it. Bless these that are here today. May you continue to walk with them daily. In Christ's name, amen.
Our Old Testament reading comes from Psalm 121, a reminder of God's love, the hope that we find in God, and the promise that God always watches over us and cares for us. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. gospel reading today is from the gospel of John, the third chapter, verses 1 through 17. And as I read that, read this, I'll be reading it from the new revised standard version rather than the usual NIV, which is in the pew, uh, the pew racks there. And there's a reason for it, which I'll explain later. In honor of the gospel Would you please stand as it's read if you're able? Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. No one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? 
Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of the Lord. bow with me in prayer. Eternal and loving God, we come here today gathering to worship you, the one true and living God. We come acknowledging the many blessings that you have bestowed upon us. We come also with a desire to know more, to walk closer. We also come with weight of sin upon us, of concerns that we have for our own lives and for the lives of those around us. So as we gather, Lord, we come with a sense of awe that we can approach you in this way and make our confession to you, to petition you, to ask that you would intercede in various ways. And Lord, you have told us that we are children and to come and to ask and to speak to you, to have an intimate conversation with you. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would bless our time of worship, for we give it all to you for your honor and glory. We come also with concerns on our heart for those among our family of faith here, for the concerns of those who are struggling with illnesses, recovering from long-term, very long-term illnesses. We pray, Lord, that you would give them strength. For those who are awaiting results of tests and are concerned about what they may hear, may you give them peace and comfort. Lord, you know that around the world we are experiencing something that none of us have seen in this manner. The coronavirus and the fear that it has created in the hearts and minds of individuals. We pray for those who are searching for that vaccine to research and develop and be able to provide that to the world's population that people might avoid the difficult and dangerous virus. 
pray, Lord, that in this time that you would be with those who have contracted and are struggling with it today. We pray for those who are in leadership positions who are making decisions about what to do. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us understanding, and that we would not walk in fear, for we know that we rest fully in you. We trust the psalmist that you are with us. We pray, Lord, for other concerns that are on our minds too, maybe those that are more specific and, and unique to our own individual lives and our church family. For those who are struggling with a concern about jobs, finances, relationships, we lift all of these up to you, O oh Lord, for we know that you're able and that your grace is sufficient and by your love and mercy and grace, you can touch us in a way that we can understand that all will be okay regardless. Help us, Lord, to walk in Christ's footsteps. May we look at the world through his eyes and see the world around us and be those that have been transformed by his spirit so that we can be and do the things you call us to do. Oh, Lord, make us sensitive to the needs around us. Help us to do our part in whatever it is that we might bring honor and glory unto you. Oh, Lord, we ask now that you would hear our prayer, a prayer that we offer collectively, a prayer that Jesus taught his followers to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.
probably heard the reading of this text today and said, you know, there's nothing else there that I haven't heard before. And that may be true, but I think in the life of Nicodemus, there are some things about him that may speak to us where we come from, our own individual lives. One of my nephews had more curiosity, asked more questions when he was about four or five years old than any child I'd ever been around. If you sat with him, he would ask you question after question after question. Now, I know none of you have ever had family members that did that. Now, he, at first I thought it was just to get attention or maybe just to be obnoxious because he was that, though he didn't mean to be. But he asked these questions, and it finally occurred that he really did want to know. He was curious. He wanted to know about things, and he wanted to know why things happened and how things happened the way that they did. Now, I believe that having a good, healthy sense of curiosity is good because that is how we learn things. It is how discoveries are made. It may get us into predicament at times, but, you know, do we really know if curiosity really killed a cat? Can any of you tell me? I know that there's talk that it was from a, I guess a, 16th century play is where it originated but I don't think it came across just as that it was more about um, it, it had a little bit different twist to it than curiosity killed the cat curiosity prompts us to dig deeper to look and to understand work harder and even sacrifice to learn you know, if it hadn't been, if it were not for the scientists that are working now and, and their curiosity and interest, the, the stage of development of this vaccine for the coronavirus, they would be light years away. In fact, we probably wouldn't be here anyway. You know, I was reading back through some of the uh, annuals of Southside Baptist Church and in, in 1918 when the Spanish flu had taken its toll in the U. Well, around the world, actually, at that time, estimates are that it it um, killed about two percent of the world's population. That's a lot of folks. But also here in Birmingham, Southside was closed for a month. No services for a month. Why? Because there was fear, fear that it might be transmitted, and for just and for good cause because it could be. So we're thankful that there are those who have curiosity to understand and investigate and try to discover and work and that science is something that has really sort of provided the, um, the joy in life that, that fulfills them, that makes them want to go further. Well, there is a tie-in to that in Nicodemus because Nicodemus was also one who had a lot of curiosity. He was a Pharisee, a member of the Sanhedrin, but I believe he was also driven by curiosity and a need to know that certainly has implications to us today. In fact, I believe we're a lot like Nicodemus. There are a lot of things about him that I think each of us could see in our own lives. 
we all ask questions. We all want to know. I know that many of you have asked me questions, and when we talk about various different aspects of, of life in general, we, we hear and understand and share in, in, in those discoveries or those understandings. Nicodemus was curious about what God was doing. I mean, he had made his life that purpose. He was a, a Pharisee, the Sanhedrin. He had studied the Torah. He knew it backwards and forwards. He had tried to do everything he could to understand how to fully keep the Sabbath. He did not want to violate that in any way. But while he was busy doing all of that, something else occurred, and that is that this new person on the scene, Jesus, from this little bitty village, had come on the scene, and it has, had piqued his curiosity. It had made an impression, and he wants to know more about this person. What is it that draws people to him? Why is it that, is it just his charisma? What is it that he does? We see the signs and wonders, but that's not all there is. There's more to it. Nicodemus, like you and I, I think, asked questions, wanted to know, and he went there to ask Jesus the questions. And throughout Scripture, we know that people have asked questions about God, what God is doing, trying to understand and get God to explain things to us. We might even shout at God. We ask those questions like, why don't you hear me when I call out to you? Why do you have such a short memory, God? Where's your love and compassion now? Why all this pain and suffering, and why do you allow those who curse you to prosper? Why do you hide your face from me, God? God, what do I need to know, or what do I not know that I need to know? Well, all of those questions are rooted in an understanding that God is in a position to make things different, to answer those questions and be able to speak to us, to react to us, to meet us face-to-face. -face. So we find those questions rooted in our desire to know, our understanding of what God is doing. I think another way that we're much like, and maybe this is a, a greater way, is that we want to get close to Jesus, but not so close that our life gets complicated. We want to be close to Jesus, but not so close that it complicates our life. Have any of you ever had that happen to you? That you got so close that it began to mean that if I follow, I'm going to have to change some things that I do. That's why this particular text appears in the Lenten uh, period. It is a time where we look and we say, what is it about my own journey, my own life, that I need to look at, to look carefully at? And what is it I need to let go of? What is it I might need to pick up? Nicodemus was that way. He wanted to make sure that he knew everything he needed to know, but he was fearful that, well, it might complicate my life. I might have to adjust my life in some way. When we think about Nicodemus, 
making that drastic change. And he asked why. We might ask why. Well, let's just go ahead and do it, Nicodemus. Well, we know that God may ask that of us too. Think about Nicodemus for a moment, though. Yale Divinity School professor Emeritus David Bartlett in a discussion about Nicodemus with the dean of the school, as they sat down, they talked about Nicodemus and what he, the, the give and take that went on between Jesus and Nicodemus. Dr. Bartlett said, you know, when I taught this in my class, I always did this way. I would use you, the dean of the school, as an example. And he said, I would tell the students, I said, now imagine this. Imagine that the dean of the divinity school, who is held in high regards, he has a strong Christian commitment, everyone knows that, but he has secretly developed an interest in the Mormons around the corner and not to evangelize them. So one night he goes over to meet the leader of the Mormons and comes away convinced that this addition to Christianity is not so bad. In fact, he embraces it. It's a good thing. It doesn't take any way, anything away from Christianity. It just adds to it. So Dr. Bartlett says to his students, what do you think would happen when he comes back and tells his brothers and sisters at the divinity school of what, he, what he's done? What do you think? Well, first, he would lose his job. Second, he would lose his status in the community. In fact, he might even lose his home, and he might lose his family. Now, this is what Nicodemus was facing. This is about the same kind of, of parallel or a parallel that you would see, very analogous to what Nicodemus was facing. If he followed Jesus, it was adding to, in some way, what he had believed heretofore. Now, you might say, well, no, he always was looking for Messiah. Well, that's true but not like Jesus, not the Messiah that Jesus was going to be. And so Nicodemus has this encounter. And even though we don't hear from him anymore in the gospel, we know this, he had some kind of strong attraction to Jesus that made him perhaps even believe. Some even say that he had a secret group of followers, that Jesus had a secret group of followers of whom Nicodemus was a leader. Now, there's no proof of that, but we know that Nicodemus did show up with spices and ointment for Jesus' body after the crucifixion. Perhaps Nicodemus stumbled with that one particular place that some of us also stumble. It's that use of that term, born from above. Now, I chose to use the New Revised Standard Version because it uses born from above instead of born again. The Greek word, the Greek word anathen can be translated two different ways. One is born of flesh as a natural birth. The other is born from heaven. Something that Nicodemus would have known, but he seems to be playing stupid almost. He doesn't want... He doesn't want Jesus to, to push him on that point too much. But he would have been familiar with it because Jewish converts, individuals coming into Judaism, they also went through the process. They learned the Torah. They confessed their sins, but they also were baptized into Judaism. 
and they were spoken of as being newly born infants. In some of the other cultures, in Greek and Roman culture, they would talk about a spiritual awakening and even to the point that those who had had that and said that they had had it were given milk as a sign of their infancy in their spiritual development. Now Nicodemus knew that and he also was aware of what Jesus was saying to him but he is quite coy in how he approaches Jesus. Now I'm not saying any of us do that but I think we sometimes skirt the issue of coming face to face with what we know that God is speaking to us through the person of Jesus. We know that he is leading us and he is guiding us to a place and he is speaking to us directly and he may do wondrous and magnificent, even miracles in our life. We can't explain all of that. We can ask questions. We can ask a lot of questions. But I think we're like Nicodemus. We really are afraid to get too close to Jesus. Because if we do, we're going to have to adjust our life. Henry Nouwen, Catholic priest and just a, a great spiritual God, reflecting on the story of Nicodemus, writes, I love Jesus, but want to hold on to my old friends or my own friends, even when they do not lead me closer to Jesus. I love Jesus, but want to hold on to my own independence, even when that independence brings me no real freedom. I love Jesus, but do not want to lose the respect of my professional colleagues, even though I know that that respect does not make me grow spiritually. I love Jesus, but do not want to give up my writing plans, travel plans, and speaking plans, even when these plans are often more to my glory than to the glory of God. Upon reflection, Nowen says, realizes and then says that he isn't all that different from Nicodemus. He writes, so I am like Nicodemus who came by night and said safe things about Jesus to his colleagues. Even a great Christian, even someone like Nowen, admits that he too is like Nicodemus and afraid to make the adjustments necessary to follow the, the Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, too closely. There's an element of Nicodemus in all of us. We want to keep Jesus at a distance. We want to follow and we want the benefits, but not to pay the price. It's always easier to play it safe and keep Jesus off in the distance than to call him Lord of our life. We can't always put him off. He calls us to follow. He calls us to not just follow, but to be close to him and to reorder our lives in a way that becomes perhaps messy because it's not the way we had it planned out. Marva Dawn, who is a theologian, religious writer, spoke of being at the Vancouver World's Fair and she saw a pavilion there with all kind of glitz and a lot of uh, music and all kind of photography and laser shows. And it was the contemporary 
Christian culture that was offering this as a way to introduce people to the faith. And so he asked the people and began to talk to them about what all they were doing. And they said, well, you know, isn't it great? Isn't it all of this wonderful, what we're putting on here? And maybe it is. Maybe there are people that were touched by it and led by it. But what Marva Dawn came away from it was, will these who have had this experience go back and fumble around in their own devotional life when they're on their own? Will they go to the local parishes and tell their pastors and other spiritual guides that, you know, we need something glitzy like what we saw at the fair? Will it create an awareness of the idolatries of our age and lead to repentance? And does a hard rock, flashy soundtrack bring people to Christ who calls us away from the world's superficiality? Or being called to a deeper walk with Christ? One that is sensitive to the needs around us. One that means we reorder our life and we change the way that we see the things that are there, not by our own power, but because the Lord touches us and draws us, even as Nicodemus came at night to say, are you who I think you are? We too need to be affected by the presence of Christ, whether we have been walking this journey a long time, as I have for years, knowing that each day is another day, that we seek to understand and have greater depth of knowledge. We can't put him off, and yet we're torn because we know he promises a life that is full and free, a life and life that's eternal, one that is beyond what we could ever imagine. It's like N.T. Wright has spoken about it when he said, it's life after life after death. It's life after life after death, and the life in the middle is what we're living now, and it's one that is centered on Christ, and there is a life after death that is eternal life. In the meantime, we have to reorder our lives. Or we walk away as Nicodemus did, maybe to ponder it and maybe to choose to follow, but we have the choice today to follow or to not follow. And so as we come to this close of our service and we think about what we are to do, when we leave here today, we'll leave with a decision. Either we're going to commit ourselves in these remaining weeks of Lent and then beyond to look within, to see what's really in here, in my heart, in your heart, and then ask God to cleanse us and make us whole and help us see how we can be closer to him and understand more of what it is that God desires of us. So as we sing today, we sing our, our hymn of promise, hymn 555. It's a time to, to reflect upon this, that we do have a, this Jerusalem happy home, my happy home, that there is that promise of what is to come, but even now, how do we respond and live in the presence?
Let us pray. Dear Lord, we're grateful for so many things in life, and too often when we express our gratitude, we know that it's just a mechanical statement. We're thankful we can come to this place and be reminded of what so many blessings that we have in life. We just heard this morning about fears that we experience in life and sometimes the big ticket fears like viruses, storms, continued crime, our mask, our underlying fears that we face every day, those mundane things that just wear us down. We're grateful that you're always with us and the assurances that we've heard this morning that I will lift up my eyes unto the hills and the curiosity that we can experience like Nicodemus and Tim's nephew that just makes us stronger people and helps us to grow closer to you. For all these many blessings, we express our appreciation and pray that you will be these tithes and offerings, that you will bless them to the, to, for our church and for others and for your kingdom. For we pray this prayer, believing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Loving Lord, we present these tithes and offerings to you. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would bless them and multiply them, and may they be used for your purposes in this church, in this community, and even beyond.
Can we see you for just a moment, please? This week, we don't have a lot of extra activities, but we do have our Wednesday evening uh, fellowship supper and then our Bible study at 6.15. Uh, we had a great study and discussion last week and even got into the, the study of um, how do we explain? We asked some questions, Henry, you know, about what, how do we explain these things that, that God asks or that we see around us and we can't get an understanding of it, the problem of pain and suffering. I'm really looking forward to this one. It's washing feet. And as you saw that, it's uh, Peter's statement about, well, don't just wash my feet, you know, wash my head too, my hands too, wash me, complete me, completely. So we'll be uh, talking about that and understanding that because we have as much in common with Peter as we do with Nicodemus. That we struggle and we try to understand and we try to walk the way of faith and we find ourselves stumping our toe left and right. So it'll be a good time of discussion. And then on Thursday, we have the men's Bible study at, at 12 o'clock, but then at 5.30, for those interested, and, and I'd encourage you to come for a time of prayer and then also receiving Holy Communion uh, for a brief service, about 30 minutes, that we have there in Memorial Chapel. So I hope that you will go out and be uh, mindful of the precautions you can take to stay well. We hope that you will. And also to know that... Uh, Everyone here is loved by God, but also by others that are gathered here. So now may you receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord be with you now and forevermore as we go forth in his name.